just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Oh my gosh, I'm adopting a puppy right now, but I realize what's at home. Oh no, I have nothing. Well, except unconditional love. But yeah, no crate, no pee-pee pads, no dental chews for his little puppy teeth. Before I doubt myself as a new parent, I just get Instacart to deliver everything from PetSmart. Easy, just like raising a puppy is going to be, right? <sighs> get Pet Essentials from PetSmart with Instacart. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Right, let's do it. Hello and welcome to Do Go hey, Dave. On. I think um, I think on this episode I might uh, kick it off. If that's okay with you. And welcome to Do Flow Lot. Oh no, back oh, to you. Sorry, back to me. Do go on. My name is Dave Warnicky, and you've already heard from Matt Stewart stuffing up the intro there. Hello, Matt. And welcome to Do Go Home. Oh, great, good, good Home. picking up there. And uh, Jess Perkins, been a while since you've done your own intro, but want to have a crack? <coughs> okay. Um, it- <laughs> You know, I don't like it when you put me on the spot, but okay, here it goes. Um, I just want to say I haven't had time to rehearse, and it's it's cold, so my voice isn't really warmed up, and um, not as easy as I make it sound honestly, every I week. I had is a it? long day, but here we go. Okay, do flim gone. Right, I'm gonna grab the reins back off both of you. Hello, yes, it is uh, time to do go on with <laughs> us, Dave, Matt, and Jess. Your face is creepy right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Do Go On. Do I'm your host, Matt Stewart. I'm your other host, Jess Perkins. <laughs> right, I'm going to call an end to this straight away and uh, ask how you both are. As host of Do Go On, I'd like to let you know that I'm having a good time. As a co-host of Matt's on this comedy slash factual podcast, Do Go On, I'd also like to mention that I, Jessica and Elizabeth Perkins II, do also do pretty well today. Thank you for asking. Do Go On. <laughs> 
Back to you, Dave. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'm actually very I'm scared of asking either of you to do go on at this stage because uh, <laughs> it looks like I will be carrying this episode. Which is great because it's my episode. I know. It's not even me doing a report on a topic. It's Jess. It's you. Yeah, it is me. You're welcome. You get to listen to... And then in the summer... Oh, no. It's going to be great. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Uh, you've, you've prepared a report? I have prepared a re- report. Because it does sound a little bit you've like... you prepared s- a report. <laughs> she said the wrong word. I did. I said so repaired. So good. I repaired it. Did you it. see that? Oh, <laughs> got it. What a time to be alive. I feel like you're stalling here, uh, Jess. Have you actually written a report? Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Have, you got, have, you, uh, have you chosen a topic from the hat? I have. And she's bloody dipped into the hat. She's dipped, dipped into the hat. I was like, hey, Matt, take that hat off. i got to dip on in. And he was like, you better be quick, Jess, because it's winter and i got to put on my hat, keep my she bloody got head a, warm. She was elbow deep in my hat. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you will, would want your hat at the moment because uh, haircut today, Matt. Do you, did you notice your ears were a bit colder? Yeah, a little fresher on the ears. Mm-hmm. You know, in this... Uh, August summer breeze. Oh, what's August? Is what? What, We're what in season Australia. are we in? It's winter, winter here. Winter. August is winter. Spring happens after that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Very good. September's next month, and that's springtime. Okay. And spring has sprung. All right. Is that right? Yeah, but that, like, that is right. But September, September October. I'm glad that you've November, mastered the seasons. Spring, December. Uh-huh. Interestingly, it's when summer hits. You're kidding? No. I'm not. Why would I fuck with you on this? Uh, I never would, Jess. Seasons are important. And if you're not going to take them seriously, well, then you can get up and fuck off. Okay? Look, I don't know. I don't even know. Like, you're giggling away in the corner there. And that says to me that you're not taking my words very seriously. And if that's the case, well, then that hurts my feelings. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I will never not take the season seriously. I know how important the seasons are to you. And we had that big seasons party last year where everybody came dressed as their favourite season and you had season-themed snacks. I came as season two of the OC. (laughs) (laughs) What a highlight. (laughs) You saved that really well. You really did. (laughs) Oh, boy. We have fun here. (laughs) Oh, boy. But anyway, back to you, Jess, talking about your report. Yes. So, we always start with a question, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Matt, have you got your buzzer ready? Oh, uh, sure. Names of your buzzers. Let's test, let's test the buzzers. Matt. Oh, that's not bad, Dave. Dave. Oh, his has got a bit of a run-up, which is cute. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. So, my question to you boys is, oh, okay. they're both poised. They're ready All to right. go. Hands on buzzers. Who is the most successful con artist? Matt. Fuck. Hang on, he might get it wrong. Nicholas J. Johnson, local Melbourne con man, (laughs) and all-time, all-round fun-time guy. Okay, I have not done my report on Nicholas J. Johnson. One half of Jonestown. Dave, would you like to to uh, submit your answer? Dave. Okay, you didn't have to do the buzzer, but yes, Dave. Sorry, thinking, but it's fun. Mm. I know it is. Dave. Yes, Dave. Uh, Con the fruiterer. Con the fruiterer, an excellent answer. Incorrect. Great, you probably get that if you're uh, above 30 and an Australian listener. Okay. Which, uh, like, we're not above 30 and we get it, so. But, Matt, I'm, but I'm a childhood genius. That's true. Matt. Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice, also a very good answer. Unfortunately, not the correct answer. What was the question again? Most successful con artist. I can't, I, Dave. I, Dave. Constantine Stanislavski. 
you get that if you have been to drama school. <laughs> Which mm. well, I didn't go to drama well, school, but I was drama so. captain. Do you know who's, who? Yes, Konstantin Stanislavski is. Of course, I studied Stanislavski's work. Very good. The Moscow Art Theatre. It's worthy of a report, which I might do one day. Well, actually, that was a suggestion. Somebody has said your favourite theatre practitioner. Oh, definitely not my favourite. But anyway, Matt. <laughs> Buzz. Yes, Matt. No, no not, yeah, your, wasn't not your, buzzer, wasn't your buzzer, Matt. Oh. Come on. Try again. Nah. Yes, Matt. Thank you. Um, the Southern Cross. Star Constellation. You're, in de- you're oh, an absolute dickhead. Is that even a thing? You're a dickhead. I could, I could not think of Dave. another constellation. I genuinely... Don't think I know any. Yeah, I can't think of it apart from Nicholas J. Johnson. I don't know anyone. Well, I wonder if this name will ring a bell. Have you heard of the work of Frank Abagnale Jr.? God, that vaguely rings a bell. Frank Abagnale. Abagnale. Abig. Abag. A B A G. Abagnale. N A L E. Abagnale. Well, first of all, he's conned us into pronouncing his name wrong. So he's pretty good. He's good. He's on the ball. Have you maybe heard of the 2002 Leonardo DiCaprio film, Catch Me If You Can? Yes, I've seen Dave. it. Yes, Dave. Yes, I have. Very good. Are you going to do that before every sentence? Tom Hanks gets his man in the end, or does he? I can't remember. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I can't. So is that that's who the movie is based on? Is that it? is who the movie is based on. Oh, very cool, because that's a cool movie that I saw at the cinema with my dad, but I haven't seen since, so it was a long time ago. Yeah, yes, I haven't yeah. seen it since, and I was thinking the other day that I, I remember they were wearing smart suits, and uh, mm-hmm. planes were flown. I really wanted to uh, to watch it, and then I thought, no, I'm not going to watch it before I do the report, because then I'll be swayed by the film, and I'll, I'll put things in yeah. to my report based on the film. It's and Hollywood it's like, style. Yeah, and that's not, you know, it's a film. Hollywood it's has a, a lot story. to answer for. It's a great bloody story. And what it has to answer for is the entertainment of a generation. Thank you, Hollywood. Now, I'm interested to know who suggested this topic. This was uh, suggested to us via email by Ryan. Thank so, you, Ryan. Excellent suggestion, Ryan. Um, Ryan who? Just Ryan. Just Ryan. Oh, very mysterious. Almost Ryan. like he's some sort of con man. Has he got our credit card details now? Our joint, Because we have... Pulled the, our the accounts. The Dugoon credit card, obviously. Mm. Yeah, we've pulled our accounts. Every well, every money you make outside of the podcast, I am entitled to my third. What do mm. you spend the Dugo on money Which on? works out well for us. Um, mainly feathers. Good. I collect a, 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 a wide array of <laughs> <laughs> mythical birds' feathers. Where did you pull mythical feathers from? Birds mythical feathers. birds' feathers. I think I may have, have been conned. Have you got any? I may have been conned. Okay. You may have been, yeah. One of them cost $10,000. That's, wow. min- that's too many dollars for... I mean, even if you pulled all of our money together, I'm not sure if you're buying a $10,000 feather. <laughs> <laughs> well, speak for yourself, because I have spent the money. Okay, great. <laughs> We're paying it off. Oh, shit. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, in the meantime, maybe I will just tell you the story of Frank Abagnale Jr. How about that? Yeah, please, that'd be good. Please do go on. Good I solid am. Name. I like it. Okay. I, th- I think, because con, I don't, I couldn't name a con man, but I think the story, I, I like the idea of a con man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is quite a fascinating story too, so um, I think you will enjoy this one. So, raised just north of New York City in Westchester County, New York, he was born in 1948 and he was one of four children. His parents divorced when he was 16 and they'd kept it a secret from, from Frank and his siblings. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They, they kept it a secret. He's yeah. only 16. Is he still living with them? Oh, yeah, he's still living with them. But what I mean is like that the fact that they were getting a divorce, they'd sort of kept secret. So the kids didn't really know that the parents were unhappy and, and going to get a divorce. So lying runs in the family. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. It's in the blood. I like it. 
When he was in the 10th grade, a teacher at his school uh, took him out of class, handed him his things and told him that one of the brothers, because it was a Catholic school, um, would drive him into the county centre to meet his parents. And he wasn't told what was happening or, or he wasn't entirely sure where he was going, but he was assured that his parents would explain. Um, now, he wasn't sure where he was when he was dropped off at this big concrete <laughs> building and told oh. that his parents would meet him inside. Oh, I'm, I'm, is, has he been kidnapped? He has been kidnapped. No, he hasn't been kidnapped. Oh, right. No. Okay, that's what I'm waiting for. So I can laugh. Okay, good. <laughs> There's no kidnapping. Just divorce and a family falling apart. Surprise. That's, that's hilarious. Surprise, yeah, divorce. Um, no, so he, uh, he climbs the steps into this building and he sees a sign on the, on the building saying family court, but admits that he didn't really know what this meant. Even, that, even some, at 16, he's like, I don't really know what that is. I don't is. know what that is. Is this some sort of family food court? Ooh. Because I like baked potatoes. But mum loves pizza. Pizza. And everyone's happy in a food court. <laughs> exactly. A little something for everyone. Oh. Now, he was ushered into a courtroom where he finally saw his parents standing before the judge. This and would be very confusing if you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Now, suddenly not, in a courtroom. Yeah. Feels not cool It feels me. like some sort of yeah. MTV prank show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gets kind of worse because eventually the judge sees him at the back of the room and he motions for... <laughs> hey, for, hey, hey, come on over. Exactly. He does exactly that. He, what? He, he, mentions, he motions for him to approach the bench and uh, and the judge, he, he's Frank in his recollection of this sort of um, says that he remembers the judge not really looking at him, not really acknowledging that he was there. He's standing between his parents. Um, and eventually the judge is just reading from his papers and said that Frank's parents were getting divorced and because he was only 16, he'd need to tell the court which parent he would want to live with. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is like the opposite of Sophie's choice. Yeah. Except Frank's a lot, choice. lot less death. But anyway. But you still have to pick a favourite. Yeah. Is that the opposite of Sophie's choice? No. Yeah, but uh, a kid picking a parent rather than a parent picking a child. Ah, gotcha. Okay. I see where you the opposite going. would be a kid not picking a parent. Or a not kid not not, yeah, not that's good. Now picking we're getting a... Oh, boy. All oh right. Boy. So he's picking... Yeah, so they're like, all right, well, pick who you want to live with. Now, he starts to cry, obviously, and he ran out of the courtroom, so the judge calls for a 10-minute recess. But by the time Frank's parents got to the lobby, he was gone. He, he just, was gone. He's he left the ran. food court. He ran from the food court. Oh, my God. Did he even court. finish his baked potato? Didn't finish his baked potato. Couldn't eat. He was sick. Sick to the stomach. Can't sick. eat. God. And you know he loves baked potatoes. I reckon his dad probably too. finished it off. Probably. Dads the, do that. <laughs> the judge said, look, you can't pick, I'm gonna, you're going to have to wait till he comes back. He'll pick which parent he wants to finish this yeah, baked yeah. potato. How do you have your baked potato? All right. I'm talking baked potato. Yep. Microwave first. Then I put it butter and salt, then into the oven to crisp it up. Then carve it into four. Butter. Cheese. Sour cream. Yes. Guacamole. Yes. Mm-hmm. A little bit of salsa. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're in potato town. Oh, you've done it. Population. Yeah. Starch. That sounds great to me. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, at the very minimum, you want your butter and your sour cream. I think they're your classic, right? Yeah. I would say cheese before sour cream. I love cheese. I mean, I love cheese too, but sour cream's a must on a baked potato. Agreed. And then if you can, get your hands on some guac. Oh, my. Oh. I mean, all bets are off. And then if you've got guac and you can add a little bit of salsa. Yes, oh. yes, yes. yes. Oh, my. oh, my God. And the question is, why has he left the food court if he's got this? Well, this oh, the divorce. Sorry, I yeah. forgot the that divorce, bit. Forgot, yeah. forgot the, the bitter, bitter divorce, the divorce and the choice. So his parents rush out to the lobby, but he's gone. He's long gone. Um, now his mother, Paulette, didn't see him after that for about seven years. Whoa, Paulette. Paulette. Didn't see him for seven years. He just took off. That is a horrible name. <laughs> I would not pick her. What's the dad's name? Frank Senior. Oh, I'd oh, pick that him. That makes sense. Yeah, every I'd day. Frank Senior. Yeah. 
But Paulette. It's interesting that you say that because Frank Senior never saw or spoke to his son again. <sighs> so he's 16. He's run away from home, basically. Hit the road, Frank. That's amazing. That is... To never see... Like, from, you go to school just like, all right, normal day. Here we go. Uh, not knowing that's the last Go to day. the grey building. Okay, all right. Running away. Mm. Like, just out of nowhere. Yep. What a bloody, bloody God, jeez. It's pretty intense, right? Oh, tell you what. Jeez Louise. You know. <laughs> oh. oh, mama. So he uh, he gathered a few of his things and he, he bolted. He um, he caught a train into New York City and he'd previously made deliveries for his dad's stationery business. So he knew the city pretty well. So he decided he would find some similar work within the city. Because he knew pens. He's a pen guy. You know, no, but just like the delivery and the, like he knows the city so he can manoeuvre his way around Has he well. got money? Can he, can he imagine at 16 well, if I'd run away I would have been like, oh, it would get to dinner time and I would have run out of money well, and wh- food. That's why he's getting a job. Oh, see, a sixteen-year-old me wouldn't would not work. No, I, I think even if I was starving. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a job at sixteen? Absolutely not. When did you have your first job? About nineteen. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. What were you doing? I played in a band. I thought that was going to be my life. Oh my god, I forgot you played in a band. Like you still haven't probably. really had a job, have you? I mean, you've worked for a trivia company. I've worked as a ch- kids' party entertainer. Yeah, party entertainer. I've worked TV show. He's in a, a band. Comedian. Uh, yeah, I made a bit of money being in a band. The yeah, you've like, never did you make enough job. money in the band just to like feed yourself and survive? No, not making yeah, okay, any money. Great. But I was hoping that one day it was kind of a trade-off. Like, mum and dad, I'm not working now, but in ten years I'll be a multi-multi-millionaire and I'll pay you back in one lump sum. Exactly. I'll buy your jet. They were keeping tabs. <laughs> I owe them twenty-eight million dollars. <laughs> Wow. Plus interest. I know, they were really forking out for me. And what were you buying? Mainly feathers. Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I had, a, I had a job when I was 12. I've had a job ever since I was 12. What were you doing at 12? That's Paper illegal. Round. Paper round. Paper round. Is that legal? Oh, no, this was the 1920s, so I guess it was legal. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you had a mortgage by then. Matt Stewart, the prospector. <laughs> Paper round, and then I, I went when I was 14, nine months, got a job at a supermarket, trolley boy. And you were there for like... I was there for nine years. That's too long. Nine years? Yeah. My God, I got a job at fourteen nine months. What were you doing at that age? My my first job was at Toys R Us. <gasps> that sounds That's fun. Nice. I bet That's it wasn't. Right? Right? It was job. horrendous. Oh, really? what, 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 what did you have to do? Pat the giraffe? Yeah, I had to pat the giraffe. Is his name Harold or is that just the no, life? No, that's band? the life ed van. I don't want to grow up. Don't want to grow up. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. That so would play constantly. I mean, you what did you do? Were you in the shops? Toys? Yeah, well, I was, was like stocking the shelves. But, Stocking the shelves. But my manager, who was probably only my age now, like he would have been early to mid-twenties, was just an absolute ass. He was at the worst. And they would put me and this other 15-year-old on from the 9pm to midnight shift. It just made no sense. So then my dad would have to drive to pick me up Oh, now a you're, busy shopping centre. Now your dad's working for Toys R Us. I know. Sorry, Dad. That's from the bloody books. That uh, was a shitty job. But yeah, I was working at 15. So Frank's doing the same and he's, he's getting a job. He's going to... Well, so you two can relate to him, but I cannot. It seems weird when, a, like, the the guy, your old boss... So how... I don't understand. How is some young guy an arsehole? It seems so weird. Have you not met people your own age that are assholes? <laughs> Have you not yeah, met people? Yeah, but it just like, yeah. well, there's that too. <laughs> but whenever you you, if you're, if you're, I've met kids that are assholes. But you're dealing with a 15-year-old. Yeah. Why would you be an asshole? An asshole is an asshole. I've met Matt. a cat that's an asshole. Yeah, there's... I'm, I'm not working for no cat. 
Oh, that's a good point. I refuse. Unless he can offer my band a really big contract because I need to pay my parents back. What was your band called again? Oh, I've had many. Number one, first band was called Weed Hornet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Weed great. Hornet. Named after a whippersnipper in the garage where we practiced. Yeah. What's that? We didn't get rich. Weed, Weed Hornet. That is Cut down yeah. before our prime. Mm. That is a good name. My band, I, I was also in a band. Did you know that? Yeah, probably. Neither of you seem that shocked. No, I feel like You've we, told me I think, before. I think oh, we yeah. might have talked about it before. I was in a band called Cause of Distraction. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Cause of Distraction. Yeah. I feel like we talked about it maybe is that because that's episode. Yeah, maybe. Is yeah. that because that's what you, how your parents described it? It's distracting you from your Toys R Us job. Yeah, come on, Jess. Career prospects. Kid. Come on. All Climb right. that Toys R Us ladder. Climb that giraffe's well, neck. I worked there for one Christmas and I left. Anyway, so Frank. We're back to Frank. Frank's looking for a bit of work, uh, doing some delivery, delivery, stock boy, that sort of thing. Great. So he found work. He found it pretty easily because he did have the experience, but he soon realized he wouldn't be able to support himself on that amount of money because he realized that as long as people believed he was 16, they'd pay him as a 16-year-old, obviously. Ah, well, but, that does make sense. But even at his young age, he was already six foot tall. He'd always looked older than uh, than his peers. So he decided- I cannot relate to this guy at all. <laughs> I just cannot. <laughs> Can you even grow a beard? Still not. Okay. Turning 26 next month or this month. Soon. Very soon. Oh, my God. We're having our 26th soon. Can you... Do you think that... It's hard to say. If you get to 26 and you can't grow a beard, by the time I'm 50, will it happen or is it just not? No, I think you're done. Yeah, I think think you're done. Can I have some sort of hormonal injection? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. You can wear a fake beard. Oh, don't patronize me. You've got to shave if you can grow a beard. I don't think it's all all you think it is. But you always... Or you have a beard. That's the other option. You You shave or you have a beard. Yeah. Fuck. I love both of those options. <laughs> anyway. I just wish I had options. So I'm sorry that you can't, uh, can't relate. Can't relate, to but he's six foot, he's 16. He's six foot, he's he's looks, old. looks older. So he decided to lie about his age. And in those days, driver's licenses didn't have photos. And Frank altered his to change. <laughs> but sounds like it's open for distraction. Stop it. Uh, he, he just altered his own license from 1948 to 1938. So now he's 26 years old, according to his license. Right, so he's still he, he's getting work that way, and he's getting paid a little bit more money, but it's still not making a lot of money. Um, <laughs> so he's like, "Well, I'm going to make myself ninety six, <laughs> and then they'll pay me." That's how it works. He began to cash checks. He did have a bank account that his father had set up for him. So every now and then, like to um, you know, just tide himself over, he would cash checks and take money out of that account. Um, but when the money ran out, he just kept writing checks. Uh, because people trusted him, like he had this trustworthy face, and he would just write checks, and they would later bounce, but he would he'd be gone. Oh, wow, pretty clever. Sounds like a bit of a con man. A little bit. So when the checks did start to bounce, um, he he began to worry that soon the police would be after him. So he was unsure if he should leave the city because he thought it would be more difficult to cash a fake check elsewhere from a New York bank account with a New York driver's license. Like if he's in Miami or if he's in Chicago, are they going to, you know, be a bit more strict? Yeah, it, look into it in more detail. He's you know? an out of towner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you'd, you'd probably there might be a different process, or they might look at it differently. So he he's like, I don't really know what to do. I don't know how I can leave. Then one night as he's walking home, he walks past a hotel, um, just as an Eastern Airline flight crew stepped out of the building. And as he watched the pilot and flight attendants carry their bags to their car, he thought, I could pose as a pilot. <laughs> I could travel all over the world for free, yeah, and I could probably course. get anyone to cash a check for me anywhere. Starting to relate to this guy because. There's nobody you trust more than a pilot. Than a pilot. Oh, man, that f- the guy in the flight center commercial? Yeah, I was thinking of him, he's, too. I love that guy. Oh, he puts I, the hat he's, on. He's, he's, he's a reference so. on, my, uh, on you know, all my applications for 
jobs and properties. Call the flight centre guy, 131148. He'll know who I am. He'll know. Hello, flight centre. I'm just wondering about one of your employees, Jess Perkins. Press one if you would like to go on holiday to Thailand. (laughs) Well, this checks out. (laughs) It seems legit. He's a, for people who don't know, he's a mascot. He's like an ad mascot. For like a, a, a chain of travel agents in Australia. You really over explain everything. Uh, what Jess has just done there is sort of <laughs> talk me down a little bit, saying that I'm 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 over like trying to explain too much more than I need to. But, but what does um, explain mean, Matt? What Dave's done there is asked a question. Um, <laughs> the question posed is sort of cutting to the heart of of what I'm doing right now, which is explaining, and he, and he he wants to know a little bit more about that. <sighs> Jess has sort of just exhaled. In <laughs> Jess, a... do go on. Thanks, Jess. I might. Um, well, we're all hosting our own episodes separately here. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, what he does after he's seen these, uh, he's got this stroke of genius. The next day, he, he makes a phone call to the executive corporate offices of Pan Am and asks to speak to purchasing. So he's transferred through. And when he spoke to someone, he told them that he was a co-pilot called John Black based out of San Francisco. Mm, Keep it simple. He told them that he'd flown into New York the day before and sent his uniform to get dry cleaned by the hotel. Well, now the bloody hotel and the cleaners say they've misplaced my uniform. How old is he? Is he still 16? Yeah. Oh, this is awesome. Well, no, he's 26. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. He's also a pilot named Jack Black. Wink, wink. Yeah. John Black. John Black. And I think later it was Robert Black. Like, it changed around a little bit. But it was always Black. Always Black. Uh, Always been on Black. While he was at uh, Pan Am, yes. So, anyway... Um, he told the person on the phone that he had a flight in about four hours and had no uniform to wear. You know, like, I'm, I'm in a bit of a pickle. I've been in this company for seven years. This has never happened. I'm not really sure what the process here is. What do I, what do, I do here? Right? And so they're like, oh, don't you have a, have you got a backup uniform? He's like, yeah, in San Francisco. It'll never make it in time. And they'll go, okay, hang on. Pop him on hold. Come back to the phone and say, all right, you've got to go down to well-built, the well-built uniform company on Fifth Avenue. They're our supplier. I'll, I'll call them and tell them you're coming down. Now, it's going to be an out-of-pocket cost to you and not the company. You know that, right? He goes, yeah, no, I, I understand. That's fine. I'll so, write him a check. Boom. Exactly. So, anyway, he goes down. He gets fitted for a uniform. Um, everything's done. Salesperson, he goes, how much do I owe you? I think it was about $280. He's like, cool, I'll write you a check. They said, no, no, we can't take check. And he goes, okay, I'll pay in cash. I went, oh, no, 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 that's not how it works. You need to fill out this form, put in your employee number, it gets billed back to Pan Am and they'll take it out of your next uh, paycheck. Oh. And he goes, great, even better, cool. Great, great. I know my number. Too easy. No problem. One, one, one. One, 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 one. Just before one, I... One, 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 two. <laughs> before I write it down, just want to remind me how many numbers would be in the number normally. I think there was even boxes. So boxes you just had great. To, just boxes had are great. How uh, good is that? Seven. <laughs> Four. <laughs> I'm going to put a three over here. Uh-huh. I just like, like the way that looks. Like it's like he's doing Dutch Lotto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My mum's birthday's on the 16th. Yeah, all right. We'll put down a 16. Yeah. <laughs> put 16 in one box. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's it. not bright. Anyway, so he's got a uniform now. He's got a Pan Am uniform. Now, New York has two airports. It has LaGuardia and Kennedy. And he went to LaGuardia Airport and spent the day there watching how the airport operated. You know, what's what's going on. Um, doing the, a bit the, of recon. He's doing a bit of recon. Oh, recon. Yeah, there we go. Emphasis on con. con. Yeah, what were you about to say, Dave? Uh, is he wearing the uniform and just I sort think, of strolling well, yes, around having coffee, saying hello to people? Good to see you again, Bruce. Pretty much, because he was like, all right, I've got this uniform, now how do I get on the planes? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> what? He's going to 
I know, it's so good. <laughs> he's thinking, yeah, how, oh, this is just insane. It's so great. So he's having some lunch at the airport when a crew from another airline sat down next to him and start chatting to him. And he's like, ugh, fuck. And he gets like, he sort of just fumbles his way through a conversation. <laughs> my number is 111 My mum was born on the 16th. <laughs> God, he seems legit. Yeah, my God. We, that's how us pilots talk. Yeah. Anyway, one of them eventually says to him, say, what's Pan Am doing out here? Pan Am don't fly to LaGuardia. They only fly to Kennedy. <laughs> that's <laughs> great. in the uniform. Lesson one learnt. So he's like, oh, yeah, no, we flew into Kennedy. I'm just out here to catch up with a few friends. Heading back to Kennedy now. Anyway, gotta that's go, bye. Gotta roll. That's good quick thinking. No, no, he seems, he's very quick on his feet and he must be like super confident. <laughs> I would just start crying. I would just, I would just well, shit myself. Pan Am isn't, doesn't come out of your hip. Oh, you got me. <laughs> I'm a bigamist. I've been married twice. I'm busted again. Bloody Jonesy. <laughs> you got me. I slept in my mother's bed till I was seven. Are you oh, happy? God. All right. All right. We still get night terrors sometimes. Shut up. I'm a fake. I'm a failure. Never kissed a girl. <laughs> Don't even like coffee. What the fuck is this? What is this? Oh. I just, first question, you just break. Just break with it. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, God, you got me. <laughs> Fuck, I thought this uniform would... But you don't believe me, do you? You don't believe me. You know I'm only 16 and I got this uniform by pretending that my hotel broke in. Oh, God. Oh, God. My parents were getting divorced. I just ran away from the baked potato court. Oh, I'm just, I just fucked it. I just fucked it. We love your sense of humour, Blackie. Anyway, you're on the next flight. <laughs> yeah. Good safe, mate. You're the keys. You're the keys. Off you go. See you in Las Vegas, mate. Off your trot. Right, so that's, that's a pretty great lesson to have learned. <laughs> that's such a funny thing to... But then, what uh, during his recon, a second recon, he also notices that everyone has laminated photo ID cards, and without this card, his uniform that he that he commandeered is basically useless. Like he needs. <laughs> does he? Has he just been walking up to restricted areas and they're going, "Do you have your card, sir?" And he you just does it complete three sixty. <laughs> See you in a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I left it in my. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I left it at LaGuardia. Ooh. I was having a sandwich with friends. Bye. <laughs> My number is one 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 two. I was having a sandwich with friends. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, see you later, Blucky. All right, catch you later, mate. Hope you had a good sandwich. All right, God, he's a character. I love that he's guy. He's the best man at my uh, wedding. If he had an ID card, he'd be on the next flight out of here. <laughs> anyway, so he realizes he needs an ID card, um, and you know what he does? He looks in the phone book oh. under identification. And calls all of these companies to try and like figure out who makes the Pan Am um, ID cards. And eventually, somebody tells tells him like, "Oh, it's it's Polaroid that do it. You got to contact them." So he gets in contact with uh, with the right company. I think it's like a part of Polaroid. Anyway, um, he tells them he's a purchasing manager for a small regional carrier who were looking to expand. And he asked if he could come by their offices and discuss their systems and pricings. He says, "I like this Pan Am system that they've got. I like their format. We're interested in a similar sort of thing. Can I come down and we?" Uh, have a bit of a chat about it. I'm just in New York for the day, so have you got... I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, come on down. So he goes to their office, and um, he discusses it with them, and like I was saying, he tells them he likes Pan Am format, he asks for a sample, and what they gave him was this glossy large piece of paper. It has, like, this is a sample stamped across the top, and it's a different photo. It says, like, Joe Blow is a fake name and stuff. Damn, why did I call myself that? Yeah. Because so... should have been John Citizen. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. So he's like, all right, well, that's useless. Um, so then he, he says, oh, what's all this equipment that's uh, lying around here? And he's like, oh, we don't just make the cards. We sell the equipment to sort of do it yourself. We've got all the 
photo, we've got the cameras. Let me grab my checkbook. <laughs> we've got the cameras, we've got everything. And he says, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, we'll have to buy all this equipment for our upgrade. So why don't you just show me how it works? Just use me as an example. <laughs> so the guy takes his photo and creates a card for him. That is just, so good. What? Just um, so make good. it out to John Black. John Black. Um, um, take make this me, of me look like a... Why am I wearing a Pan Am uniform in the photo? Don't worry, just just take the just photo. Take the photo and don't stop asking questions. And then, oh, can I keep this sample? And they let him take it. Yep. <laughs> right, and it's too good to be true, right? Because it is. He walks out with a Pan Am photo ID, but he realizes that where the branding should normally be, there's no like it doesn't say Pan Am anywhere. It doesn't have any of the branding, any of that, because oh, obviously it's a sample. It's a blank. So he's like, oh, and he's all disheartened. He's like, Fuck. he goes back in and says, um, brother, can you just Actually, uh, show me how they put the Pan Am? No, he does one better. So it's not going to pass as a real deal. He's all disheartened. He's walking home, and he passes a hobby shop, and he goes in and he asks them if they sell model planes. And the man says, oh, yeah, we do. And he goes, do you sell Pan Am planes? He goes, yeah, we do. So he buys a Pan Am cargo plane for about $2.40, back in his hotel room, throws out all of the parts and retrieves the sheets of decals that are meant to be stuck onto the toy planes. Ah, little stickers. Little stickers. Soaks them in a bit of water and then they fit perfectly onto where they should be on the card. No. That this is amazing. Is Isn't that amazing? So it works. It's it's a, a perfect ID card. And Pan Am have since estimated that between the ages of 16 and 18, he flew more than a million miles for free. 26 countries. So, but did he not get into the cockpit and then the pilot was like, all right, mate, let's, uh, let's do it. But no, there's also no. another pilot that would be scheduled. So No, he never flew on a Pan Am plane. What do you mean? So what he would do, because he, he never wanted to. He was worried that somebody would ask too many questions. Maybe they'd also be based in San Francisco and be like, well, I've been there for 20 years. I've never met you. never Where seen you, you before. I'm, exactly. always, I'm always in the food court having a sandwich or a baked potato. So he flew with everybody else. So instead, he'd go to the desks of the other um, like the other uh, airlines and ask if the jump seat was free. And the jump seat, uh, it's a spare seat in the cockpit, basically used for um, for that. So like... You know, pilots needing to get to certain places to start their journeys and stuff like that. So he would just go up and be like, "Oh, I need to get to Chicago. Is the jump seat free?" And they'd just sign a, a little pink slip. They'd check his ID, and he'd he'd wander in. And would he have to? He'd have to sit in the cockpit and make, the cockpit. make small talk with the pilots. Yeah, but it's the same conversation every time. So once you pick up the lingo, you can bullshit your way through anything. And whatever fl- whatever plane they were flying. He didn't fly that plane. He didn't fly that style. So he didn't have to know anything specific about this. Yeah, have you ever had plane. an RF-13 uh, give you an AX-22 black? God, no. No, I right know. I don't. Never, never touch the things. I, uh, I fly much much larger planes. Mm. I'm a proper pilot. Or smaller if this is the largest Is this the largest there? you've got? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> don't you think that's amazing? That is really good. And he's still he's a teenager. Smarter. He's still a teenager. That is fucking incredible. And then when he gets to his destination, he'd speak to the desk staff there and he'd be like, oh... Um, where do we lay over here? Because there'd be hotels that have you know partnerships with the airline and then there'd be like a free shuttle bus or something for, for airline staff. And he'd go to that hotel, sign in on the airline crew sign-in uh, book, um, which meant his accommodation of food was charged back to the company. As Blackie? Yeah, well, he had like the fake name and fake card, so just use that. That is... It's someone in accounts going, who the hell's this? I don't know how they didn't pick up on it, but... He got away with it for a long time. That is, and a million miles. million miles from 16 to 18. Fuck. Isn't that amazing? So good. So good. Now, eventually, um, 
the, eventually, though, the FBI released a John Doe warrant for the use of fraudulent checks. So they didn't know his name. They described him as about 30 years old. But they were starting to pick up on his trail. So he's like, oh, I'm going to... No good. This is Tom Hanks, right? Yes. Tom Hanks is the FBI. Anyway, I don't don't entirely understand this bit, but the uh, like the hotels had an uh, agreement with the airlines as well that they could cash personal checks for them up to about $100. So he would also just get cash out as well. Oh, he's got it made. He's so good. But then he also discovered that other airlines would honour that for each other. So every day he'd go to the airport and go to every single desk. And Multiple ca- desks. And just cash a fake check and take the money. And that would take, it was a huge airport, that would take about eight hours. What do you get after eight hours? Shift change, you'd do it again. Oh, he's, he's pulling a, a He has made a shift. lot of money. Like, he's, he's made heaps of money, so he decides, well, I can just hang up the, the fake uniform and move somewhere and hopefully get away from, you know, the eyes of the FBI who are tracking somebody doing some dodgy things, right? Right. So he ends up uh, moving to Georgia. And when he was moving into a new apartment, uh, he didn't want to write his occupation as pilot for fear of being caught, so he wrote down doctor. Cool. Easily. Easy to pretend you're a doctor. Yeah, he says he's a paediatrician. And it's not like in an emergency anyone ever calls on a doctor. He looks like Doogie Howser. It's fine. If you're on, say, an aeroplane or something like that. Is there a doctor on the plane? Oh, fuck. No, I'm a pilot. I'm a pilot. I'm a pilot doctor. Well, that's okay because the pilot's taken ill and we need someone to fly this plane. Oh, God. Oh, no. I was a pilot. I don't fly. I I was a doctor. I don't fly this type of plane. Oh, no. (laughs) I fly model planes. Right, so um, he said he's a doctor. Unfortunately, another man living in the building was a doctor at the local hospital. So um, Frank has said he's a uh, paediatrician. This guy's a head of paediatrics at the local hospital, right? Like, what are the chances? I don't do that kind of paediatrician stuff. Don't go with doctor. Go small businessman. Yeah. Oh, nothing interesting. Drug dealer. Well, no, because he was... <laughs> Delivery. He wanted it to be something that justified him. He was driving quite a fancy car. He right, could afford okay. a nice apartment. I and he was own close. A, a lot of small businesses. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I created Facebook. <laughs> Ever, Ever heard, heard of, of it? it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, oh, I'm a doctor. It's I'm, I'm 30, 40 years too early. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm going to be big, baby. <laughs> Real big. I invented the internet. Hmm? Haven't heard of that either. Yep, I'm a doctor. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a pediatrics. That's my game. So they kind of the two doctors became a little bit chummy, um, and then he was asked to help out at one point. He agreed to act as a supervisor <laughs> of of resident interns as a favour until the local hospital could find someone else to take the job. Now the position wasn't too difficult for him because supervisors didn't do real medical work. He was just sort of overseeing the residents, right? So uh, he, yeah, it's still. Awful. But do they still come up here and going, "What did I do, doc?" Just do what's in your heart, kid. Do Pretty much. Like heart. he would make them kind of do things. And uh, he was probably a terrible doctor. People, people probably died, do you think? Well, he was nearly exposed when an infant almost died from oxygen deprivation because he had no idea what a nurse meant when she said there was a blue baby. He was like, what do you mean, blue baby? There's a blue baby. Smurf. Great. Cool, cool man. Uh, we're going to be in the newspaper. <laughs> First blue baby discovered. Sick. Cool. <laughs> all right. I'll be in the lobby having a coffee. <laughs> I've started to like it. Dr. Frank. All right. Okay. Um, he was able to fake his way through most of his duties because he just let the interns handle the cases coming in during his late night shift. Um, you know, like sit, little little things like setting broken bones, stuff like that that they'd already kind of learned to all do. All right. So I thought he was doing little things like setting. No, he's I was not. Like, he's oh my god, because I that's maybe little to a doctor, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. God no. Imagine trying to give stitches. I couldn't do that. <laughs> I can't sew a button on, let alone skin. 
well. And it's not like you can just um, whip off to the toilets and Google and YouTube tutorial it oh, like yeah. this. Like yeah. how to I reckon stitch I could be a, a gunshot now. wound. With YouTube, I could definitely be a doctor. Have you taught yourself things off YouTube? Oh, yeah, big time. Such as? I did one today. What would you do? Uh, how to replace battery on key, on uh, key for car. Car key, maybe? Key, no, no. On I Google I Google the on term. On key for car? On key for car. No results. Um, <laughs> Google said, did you mean? I said, fuck off, Google. I, I, I drive this machine. And how I have, to replace batteries on key for car? On key for car. And mm. you did it? No. Okay, great. So but I know how to, if I ever need to. just unscrew the back of it? No, there's like some sort of thing you got to pop. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, that's fun. But Don't I can, but I, but I can uh, stitch a wound. Ugh. Can you think of something? I, I, mean, I, I use it all the time. The mm. classic one, which I think has a lot of hits, is the uh, the double wins. Makeup. Oh, yep. yep. Yeah, you've probably done that. How to make up. How to make up a pilot character mm. so you can get free flights. There we go. Well, I'll tell you. That's ya. what he was searching. Well, yeah. I'll tell you. Um, thanks for asking. I taught myself the ukulele on, uh, on YouTube. Oh, I always forget that when people ask you a question, it's probably because I forget no, that. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, now ask me how I am. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you real good. I'll tell you all night long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yes. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. If it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, not in a way that's like, oh my God, it's expanding, like physically. It's growing more customers, more interest, not like it's going to explode. Yeah, not like it's a building that's like blowing up and it's like, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And I don't think they mean for marriage. You can sell your products on an online store, whether you sell physical or digital products or you offer services like massage or nails or uh, consulting. Should we after this get mani pedis? (laughs) Babe, I've already booked us in. (laughs) Um, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. You know, what about blogging tools, you might be asking? I like to blog. I love to blog. I like to blog. I like to vlog. Yes. Well, Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos and updates. You can categorize, you can share and schedule to make your content work for you. Scheduling is the best. Oh, it looks like Jess has just uploaded something. What it? But it's like 3 a.m. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the exact time I wanted to do it in New York City, baby. Exactly. 
capture that New York market. Yeah. You mentioned vlogging as well. If you're into vlogging, you can organise your video library, showcase your content on beautiful video pages, sell access to your videos with member areas. The possibilities are endless. Now head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. So uh, Frank, he eventually left the hospital um, after he realised he could put uh, lives at risk. Oh, so the blue baby really... By his inability to respond to life and death situations. <laughs> He's like, hang on, this could potentially be dangerous. I'm starting to miss the Air Force. I better stop. So he, he left. Um, I'm not 100% on the timeline here of when this is exactly happening because it says while he was posing as, uh, as a pilot still... Um, he forged a Harvard University law transcri- transcript and passed the Louisiana bar exam. Oh, so he did the exam. He genuinely, he genuinely sat the exam. passed the bar. Because this is back the, in the day as well where... Because um, now you can only do it once or I don't know the exact rules, but back then you could take it an unlimited amount of time. So for him it was basically about eliminating... Trial and error. Trial so. and error. Oh, so you, did it, you passed A-A- on the third time. B B B C D A B C A. Pretty much, isn't that strange? So then he was like working as a, he was working in a law firm as well. Again, just like you know, people asking questions. He's like, yeah. Yeah. There was one guy was trying to sue a doctor for making their baby blue. Yeah, it's so strange. There's one guy um who was a real Harvard graduate, also worked for that attorney general, and he uh, he was sort of asking. Frank some questions about his time at Harvard and obviously he couldn't answer the questions about a university he never went to but he just kind of dodged some bullets and eventually about after eight months or close to a year he left and went on to do something else. The other guy? No, no, no. The, um, yeah, no, oh, Frank, no, Frank. Frank only did that. So he's asking questions like, where'd you study? Uh, a building? Yep. Bricks? Oh, you, you were this, you were the year of, oh, I think you were the same year as my friend Carl. Do you yep. know Carl? I think you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> there was no you, Carl. There was no <laughs> Carl. Hmm? Was there? You're a thief. You forged a manuscript. You pretended to be a pilot, a doctor, a baby nearly died, and now you're here. Well, I'm telling the boss. Oh, Carl with a K. Sorry, I was thinking C. Oh, no, Carl. <laughs> great good guy. Great guy. Great guy. Oh, did a lot solid, of, played solid, a lot of beer pong solid. with him. Mm. I should call Carl. Carl died. Carl died. I know. I, I should know. call, I should call him, him with my Ouija board. I should call him. I'm into the occult. You know that. <laughs> Carl knew that. That's why he died during the Ouija board. During what? the Ouija board. During the Ouija board. I killed him with a Ouija board. I shouldn't have said that out loud. I've got to go. <laughs> it's like you were there. I'm, I've got a gift of recreating. You do. You sure do. I'm writing down Carl. With I think he might come back in. <laughs> uh, you wrote it with a C. Remember, it was with the K, mate. We did say that. Keep up, Carl. Now, like all good things must come to an end. All good things must come to an end. All good things must come to an end. And Frank was captured. He was oh. actually arrested. So he's finally kidnapped. Yeah, yes, <laughs> he was finally kidnapped. He was actually arrested in France. Oh, how did he get there? Oh. On a plane. Doing his uh, Pan Am. I don't know. That's the thing. I don't really understand the timeline. He just has here. lots of cash, right? Yeah. Maybe he just bought it. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, he's got a lot of cash. Oh, yeah. Was he arrested on the plane? I mean, he was a doctor. No, he was arrested. Um, doctor lawyer. Doctor lawyer pilot. Jeez. His parents must have been so proud. He's only 23. I know. He's so young. But um, uh, yeah, apparently he was recognized by an Air France attendant that he'd previously dated. And she informed police. I think because it was probably a little bit more obvious now that. Uh, 
he was being tracked. Maybe they, at this stage, had figured out who he was. Um, when the French police arrested him, 12 countries in which he'd committed fraud sought his extradition. Right, so he's travelled a lot. He's travelled a lot and he's just been frauding it up. When you were saying he he's travelled a million miles, I was imagining just around America for no, some reason. No, he's gone 26 countries as well. Wow. And yeah. he's... And he's had a few girlfriends along the way. Oh, yeah, it's had, it seems like he has had a few girlfriends because oh. there was also he got introduced to the um, a lawyer through a girl that he dated. He seems to date a lot of the flight attendants, <sighs> which I think I vaguely remember from the movie. Again, I didn't watch the movie I ahead think of this because I didn't want to. He was dating the flight attendants to try and fit in as a pilot because that's, that's what the what pilots do. When in pilot, do what the pilot does. When in pilot, as Shakespeare once said, he did say that. Wow, that's a good point. That's my favourite of Shakespeare's work, actually. Me too. Matt, your favourite? Um, for when doth the green grow grey grow, so green grow, grow, grow. are the bleedy blues. You know, he invented a lot of words. Not all of them stuck. Jessica. He invented a lot of colours. Sounds like it. Yeah. Green, grey, greedy blue. Brigadier. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, just occasionally I have a stroke uh, during a recording session. Stroke of genius. Stroke yeah. of genius, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, okay, so he's wanted by lots of different countries. Um, but he's arrested in France, so, so they France. get the first go. They think. get the first go. So after a two-day trial, he first served <laughs> they get the first slap in uh, Pepignon Prison. Oh, well pretty, pronounced. I was about to make a joke, like I'm pretty sure I nailed that pronunciation. I think you did. Okay, sweet. I'm Papignon. sorry to any French listeners. I, f- I did not Papignon. do French at school. I'm Papignon. so sorry. Papignon. Um, it's fun to talk like Papignon. that. It's Papignon. It's nice. It was a one-year sentence. Um, and was, and, sorry, what was the charge? Did you say that? Um, it was just fraud-based fraud uh, Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Um, so I think it was a one-year sentence, but uh, it was reduced to six months. During trial, so he's six months. When he convinced them that he was actually the sheriff, yeah, they were like, "Oh, sorry about that." All of a sudden, yeah, sorry about that convinces boss. the judge that he's the judge. I'm, the, I'm actually, I think, no, we're I'm, in the wrong I'm the judge. Spots. Yeah, sorry, man. Anyway, the judge is in jail yeah, um, now, so yeah. <laughs> still there. Yeah, all right. Um, have we? Uh, do we know when this is? What, what kind of period of time is this? So now we're into the early seventies, nineteen sixty-nine. So yeah, um, the year of Woodstock. Well, he didn't get to go because he was in Pepignon. In a tiny cell, apparently. His his words. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, but he was apparently a bit he went in there at like 190 pounds, came out at 109 pounds. Like lost a lot of weight. It was like pounds. Barely had any space. One yeah. kilogram equals 17 pounds. Is that right? That seems like way too many. Eight. Uh, Eighteen. What? No. What? Seventeen pounds. On, that would mean on. that a hundred pounds is five kilos. Yeah, <laughs> he went right. in a man <laughs> and came out the weight of a pumpkin. <laughs> is I that am, right? Bloody hell! That is that is a dramatic. Uh, <laughs> I am nothing but loss. pumpkin. Okay. Oh, he became pumpkin. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. one kilo is two point two pound. Two point two pounds. <laughs> so he was. He came out a hundred and nine pounds. He was 50, forty-nine kilos. Which is lighter than me, and he's six tiny. foot tall. Yeah, so that's, that's he was very thin. He went in at about a hundred and nine, which is eighty-six kilos. He's not as thin as a pumpkin. He's lost. Mm. No, he's probably thinner than a pumpkin, but not as light as a piece of pumpkin. When that pumpkin weighs five kilos, <laughs> got to put a lot of stipulation on this. <laughs> is that okay, Matt? I'm so glad I stopped to Google that. No, it is good. Yeah. I mean, I, I I definitely didn't actually does it, think. Does it help you paint the word, paint the picture more? Yeah, yeah. Gives you more of a mental image of what he would have. So we like. went from Leonardo DiCaprio to like a like a like, like a skinny version of Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. I he went I've from like 
fat Warnicky to Warnicky. To Warnicky, yeah. yeah. Warn- the, Warnicky, not even fat um, Warnicky. Like, for our listeners, Warnicky is, is Dave Warnicky. Normal Warnicky. <laughs> you went from 86 kilo. Like, if you were 86 kilos, maybe you'd just be all muscle if you were 86 kilos. Mm. A lot of, like, I'd say that is a fairly normal weight, 86 kilos. And you're not a, sh- you're not a short man either. No, but I'm not six foot either. You're not. So, somewhere in between. Anyway, Five foot basically what we're asking is, nine. can you please put on 30-odd kilos you just put... to see what you look like? Oh, we'll do. We'll do. Thank you. For the role of Dave Warnicky. Well, I, mean, I was born to play. You're mid-Twix at the moment, yeah. You, you put on a good start. There. I have eaten one piece of Twix. There's one to go. <laughs> and he won't give me the other piece, even though he's definitely putting it in the bin. It's poison. <laughs> Absolute poison. Oh, would not boy. do that to you, Matt. What a reference. Um... So after after he served his time in Pepignon, he was extradited to Sweden, um, and then he it was a trial for forgery. Um, his defence attorney apparently almost had his case dismissed by arguing that he'd created the fake checks and not forged them. Like no, they're not forged. He made them. I don't know what the difference there is. I love um, it. Oh, that's great. And the, the judge nearly went. I'm confused. Yeah, so it's like it's he's swindling, not fraud. Yeah, it's still still so strange. Um, so he's he served in a, in a few different prisons around Europe, um, but eventually, uh, like it's, I think it sort of got to a point where he'd served six months uh, somewhere and was about to be tried again next in Italy, but. Um, a Swedish judge asked the U.S. State Department officials to revoke his passport, and without a valid passport, though, the Swedish authorities were legally compelled to deport him to the U.S., where he was sentenced to 12 years in a federal prison for multiple counts of forgery. Oh, dear. So it's all very complicated, right? So now he's in... Basically, everybody's pissed at him. But now he's in proper American jail for a proper sentence, 12 years. Well, like, the the, the French prison was apparently pretty... Awful, like, pretty grim, but it's only a one super grim, and then Sweden was slightly se- better sentences. But twelve years is like that's a proper that's proper jail. Um, that's a, that's a stretch. Yeah, he didn't serve the full twelve years. He ended up serving, I think, about five, and I will talk about that in a sec. Great. There's a couple of um a couple of escapes as well. Like uh, he he managed he dodged them a few times. Like I think and I think that's sort of what it uh, in the movie it implies that he, they're always just hot on his tails, but he just gets away. I don't know how accurate that is, but there's a couple of, of stories that I read about um, that are like straight from a film where he was um, apparently he in April of '71 he escaped from the federal detention center in Georgia. Um, this is in his book. He says um, that during his time. Um, in a stroke of luck that included the accompanying U.S. Marshal for getting his detention commitment papers, Abagnale was mistaken for an undercover police inspector, uh, prison inspector, an undercover prison inspector. So he's like a, <laughs> a fake prisoner going undercover with the prison. So he was like treated better and even got better food than the other um, prisoners because they thought he was an undercover inspector. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. Right. Well, he must just have a very nice face. Yeah, he's got like a really trustworthy face, obviously. Um, Maybe you just winked at someone the right one, way. One wink and they were like, oh, double his rations. And, but that's it. Everybody's kind of sucking up to him because the um, Department of Corrections in Atlanta had already lost two employees as a result of reports written by undercover federal agents. So, like the... Russell, they thought he was a mystery shopper in prison. Yes, that's a great way of looking at it. So, the prison guards are being kind of nice <laughs> like, to him. Hello, sir. Welcome to the shop. I'm in prison. 
Yeah. That's, what can I get for you? That's, ex- that's pretty much what's happening. I bet the other prisoner's like, why is he getting more? Let's kick this shit out of him. It's so good. So he contacted a friend. In his book, he called her Jean. Um, and she posed as his fiance and slipped him a business card of Inspector C.W. Dunlap of the Bureau of Prisons, which she'd obtained by posing as a freelance writer doing an article on fire safety measures in federal detention centres. She also handed over a business card uh, from, I think, a police officer. Oh, sorry, the FBI agent in charge of his case. Um, And what he... Okay, this is so hard to follow. Then Frank tells the correction officers that he was indeed a prison inspector and he hands over these business cards as proof, like a fake business card. What a time when people just trusted your business card. I know, it's so amazing, right? And then he told them he needs to contact the FBI agent, um, the other card that he's given. So, So they call the fake phone number and Jean answers pretending to be uh, like um, an operator at the Federal Bureau of the FBI. Um, so later he's allowed to meet unsupervised with his friend Jean in a... Oh, sorry. Yeah, with... with okay, oh God, it's so complicated. Um, no, I'm following. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, okay, yeah, you can go meet your supervisor. So they like drop him off. She picks him up... Um, in in disguise, she picks him up, drives him. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm confusing myself here. Um, he's allowed to meet her in a car outside the detention centre. She picks him up, drives him to a bus station. He gets on the bus to New York, then a train to Washington DC, and then just kind of like just starts, just keeps running. On the his plan is to head for Brazil. He just like he just business cards, fake couple of fake business cards. He just went the prison. wrong way. He just went north. Brazil's down the bottom, mate. Well, he's an idiot. What an idiot. But um, isn't that, isn't that just kind of insane? And he's on the run now. Yeah, he's on the run now. I oh, know it doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm assuming. Well, no, that. Oh, he did get he did get picked up a few weeks later um, by two NYPD detectives when he inadvertently walked past their unmarked police car. So he got caught, but he he got out of prison. That is awesome. Isn't that so crazy? With a business card. I know. It's so insane. Anyway, in 1974, after um, he'd served less than five years of his 12-year sentence. Don't you, it's so, like, I think about that sometimes, like, the, how unlucky that would be that the cops saw he walked past these yeah. cops. But also cops who would be like, hey, Hang that guy. On. Like, know. if it was me, would be like, I mean, there's a million people. Everyone kind of looks a bit like everyone. Yeah. I doubt that's them. Oh, what are the odds of that is them? Yeah. We're looking for a black guy. Okay. Excuse me, sir. Are you a? No, you're not. Sorry, sorry. No waste your time. I'm embarrassed. You're embarrassed. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Have a dollar. Have a dollar. Right. So, what are the chances? Anyway, in 1974, after he'd served less than five years of his 12-year sentence, um, the United States federal government released him on the condition that he help the federal authorities without pay to investigate crimes committed by fraud and scam artists. Oh, right, because he's I was working for because he's so good at it. Well, they're not paying him. He's like, I'm not. You're not. You know, you don't work for us, but we'll let you out, and you can. You have to sign in once a week, and you've got to help us with these. And he's like, Yeah, that seems kind of good. Anything's better than prison, I guess. Um, so he didn't want to return to his family in New York, so he just left the choice of parole up to the court, and it was decided that he'd be paroled in Texas. So um, after his release, he tried numerous jobs, uh, including a cook, grocer, movie projectionist, but he was fired from most of these after it was discovered that he'd been hired without revealing his criminal past. Like, he didn't tell them. Yeah. Oh, he's just a liar. Sorry, I just got out of prison, I mean, but I really want to show the kids Finding Dory. Come on. Come on. Let me bag your groceries. Yeah, you can't even bag groceries. Can't. 
Hey, your bag, your groceries are really shit. Bagging your groceries. <laughs> In Australia, bagging, bagging means. means. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Bagging means um, teasing or to make fun, taking that's, the piss. That's an taking international the piss term, means, right? I don't think it is. Bagging. Bagging. Really? I don't think so. I think it's us that says bag. I don't know. Maybe I'm being very. Open. I don't. I don't think I've heard other people say it. Yeah, I think. Stop bagging me. It sounds very Australian. Anyway. He, and he was also kind of bored by these jobs too. So he approached a bank with an offer. <laughs> Imagine walking into a bank and just declaring, I have an offer. Just pulls out a piece of paper, writes a number on it. Yeah. What do you think Two. of these numbers? What do you think of that? Hmm? 16 there. That's my mother's birthday. <laughs> what do you think maybe his offer was? Besides 1111, Maybe he offered to... Was it to... Do you reckon... To buy the bank? He offered to buy the bank. That's the guess from Matt. Dave? I think, is, did he offer to maybe work for them like he'd been working for the FBI? He, In a way, yeah. <clears throat> so he explained to the bank what he'd done and offered to speak to the bank staff and show them various tricks that uh, paper hangers use to defraud banks. Paper hanging is, is like a, a word for check fraud, basically. So he tells them, this is what I did. And then his offer included the condition that if they didn't find his speech helpful... That he, they'd owe him nothing, you know. Like if 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 it's not helpful, just pay me what I'm worth. You know, no, it, if, it's field. not helpful. Don't pay me anything. But if they do find it helpful, they'd owe him only five hundred dollars with an agreement that they would provide his name to other banks. And, and then they all rocked up to the talk, but there was no bank anymore. He'd stolen it. <laughs> he stole the bank. I'm a bank. A swindler. He, he wore the bank to another city. <laughs> He's just walking it around like it's a portable bank. A new uniform. What I'm are you doing bank. here? Banks don't fly out of this airport. Oh, oh no! Sandwiches. I've been married six times. <laughs> right, so with that, he began a legitimate... Oh, so obviously they yeah. were successful. Well, they it gave worked, him yeah. He was a secu- he's a, still is a security consultant. Wait, he still exists? He still exists. Frank, are you listening to this? Do you Google your name? Oh, my God, he totally would. Please I've watched get in him contact. talk and like you look at the actions and you watch him talk and like there's something so arrogant about him. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So is he... Like, He's it's an amazing life, but you're still kind of like, you're a bit of a dick. Is he quite successful? Well, yeah, kind of. Um, so, he later founded Abagnale & Associates, which is based in Oklahoma, which advises companies on fraud issues. And he also continued to advise the FBI, with whom he'd associated for over 40 years, by teaching at the FBI Academy and lecturing for FBI field officers throughout the country. Is he getting paid this time? Yeah, I believe they are actually paying him because it's a legitimate business now. Um, Does he look at all like Leo? No. But does he have a kind face? Can you see why you would people would trust him forty years ago? No, he kind of has a punchable face to me. Oh, you <laughs> oh really, man, you really just turned him. on this guy. That's interesting because you normally love everybody. <laughs> and did he impersonate an accountant or? I think I read people very well, actually. And while I think his story is very interesting, I wouldn't particularly want to have dinner with him. You know, you wouldn't have had him at your dinner party. You'd be like, shut up, Frank. You know, I feel yeah. like he's that type. Anyway, he's fine. Oh, God, he's coming around tomorrow night. Should I cancel? Cancel. I'm busy. I'm busy. Oh, this guy. So, um, the authentic- just, just a few things to sort of finish up on. The authenticity of his uh, criminal exploits was all- always questioned, even before the publication of his book, Catch Me If You Can. Um, so, what do you mean? So, people think that he's exaggerated a lot? Yeah, they're kind of like, I call bullshit. And a few of his little escape plans and stuff like that couldn't have worked. You know, there's, there's times when people are like... <laughs> and then I hid in a suitcase for six months. 
and this example is sort of like what I'm saying when I say he's quite arrogant. This is what I mean. So um, in 1978, after he'd been a featured speaker at an anti-crime seminar, a San Francisco Chronicle reporter looked into his claims, like looked into his life, mm. and he made phone calls to banks, schools, hospitals, um, other institutions that Abagnale mentioned, and turned up no evidence, like nobody could confirm anything. So he's kind of like, well, I smell a rat. But then Abignell's response to that was, oh, well, I mean, due to the embarrassment involved, I doubt if anyone would confirm that information. Oh, great answer. Yeah, yeah but also, like, really fuck answer. off, you cocky dickhead. Mm. But he's, has he used several names and aliases? It would be pretty yeah. hard to... Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Um, and then even in 2002, he himself addressed the issue of his story's truthfulness because obviously there would have been a lot of fuss around the movie and stuff like that. Um, and so he posted on his company's website, this is a statement from him, he goes, I was interviewed by the co-writer only about four times. I believe he did a great job of telling the story, but he also over-dramatised and exaggerated some of the story. That was his style and what the editor wanted. He always reminded me that he was just telling a story and not writing my biography. So even he's kind of like, yeah, my, bi- my biography is kind of bullshit. <laughs> my biographer refused to be a biographer. <laughs> yeah, right? He didn't want to be pigeonholed. Yeah. Right. It's a story. So he didn't, it, it's not an autobiography. I, it was, I think he co-wrote it. Right. Yeah. But still. Um, so he, the, the book, Catherine, if you can, was turned into a movie, obviously uh, by, directed by Steven Spielberg in 2002 with Leonardo DiCaprio and, uh, and Tom Hanks. The um, real Frank Abagnale made a cameo appearance in the film as a French police officer who takes him into custody. So that's kind of fun. Oh, in Papagnon. Yeah, and that's another thing. He's like, oh, I didn't want to be in the movie, but they said I had to be. It's like, why the fuck <laughs> would you have to be? Like, you fucking loved being in that movie. Yeah. It's oh, like no, they, I couldn't. Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio, they were not the draw cards that they are now in 2002, Everybody, so they really wanted me to sell like, this film. like, no, I want to see the real Frank. <laughs> Put it, make him a French cop. In fact, they wanted me to play me, but I was like, no, give one of the new no, kids a give chance. That guy, give that guy that's been it, around for 10 years. The guy, give that, that small guy that played a bit part in the biggest film ever, Titanic. Give him a go. Mm. There is there is something fun about having the real people in those movies. Yeah, I like it, but it's good if the real person is someone. Not just some background... You know? Anyway. Hey, you reckon? Yeah, in, um, you know, in uh, another Leo movie, the one about the wolf. Um, the Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, God. The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, the real uh, guy was in at the Jordan end. Jordan Belfort. He, I oh, think he at, at the end he's doing like, um, he's showing that he does speaking now. And I think the guy who introduces Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, as the Wolf of Wall him. Street is the actual Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah, see, that's, see right. that kind of stuff's cool. Yeah, that's fine. I like that. Anyway, so um, yeah, he makes a cameo in his movie. The movie was also uh, became the basis for a musical of the same name, <laughs> which opened in 2011. Now we laugh. Catch me if you can. We laugh. Whoa, 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 it, it won whoa. four Tony Awards. Did it? Including Best Musical, uh, Best Actor. Wow. And as he was accepting the Tony <laughs> for Best Actor, I didn't want to be in it, but, but they, they demanded. Insisted I play myself. I quite like this as well. Um, in his book. Um, just to finish on, this is kind of like a, a nice little quote. So the former police chief of Houston once said of me, this is Frank writing about himself, by the way, once said of me, Frank Abagnale could write a check on toilet paper, 
drawn on the Confederate States Treasury. Sign it, you are hooked, and cash it at any bank in town using a Hong Kong driver's license for identification. <laughs> a Hong Kong driver's license? Well, that's the bloody icing on the cake. That's and who so wrote that? Crazy. Um, uh, Frank wrote that about himself, but he said that a former police chief in Houston said that about him. As people have often said about me, I am really good. And gee whiz, what a good person I am and good at things. Good, 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 good. End of chapter. Next chapter. How good is Frank? Frank, 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 Frank. It's just a story. It's just a story. A story about the best person ever, me. So I brushed over a few of the a few of the details because I just wanted to get a feel for that sort of story and that amazing life that he had. And he now like just runs a business as a normal dude and he got married and had three kids and... Oh, it's not often that we talk about someone who's still alive, is it? I've just realised that. Yeah, he's only 68 or something, I think. Yeah, we yeah. often yeah, the people we talk about have passed. Oh, I suppose some, the Back to the Future people, the Mary Poppins episode, a couple of the Beatles. Okay, Queen Elizabeth II. All right, a few people are still alive. Buzz Aldrin. MySpace episode. Yeah, so you, your example there was wrong. Maybe. I'm thinking of Die Out of Love Pass. I'm so sorry. Yeah, but um, that, was, that was the story of Frank Abagnale Jr. That is a fantastic story, and it makes me... Want to see the movie again? Yeah, I think... With my dad. But we say this all the time when we do mention movies, and I was like, oh, I'm going to watch that movie, and I never actually do watch it. Sorry, listeners, if you're like, oh, I wonder what when Jess watched Titanic. I didn't. I didn't watch Titanic after I said I was going to watch Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. That, was, that was something that a lot of them would have been wondering. When did she do it? What was she wearing while she watched Titanic? That's weird. PJs. Always. She's wearing them right now. I am. I'm bloody snug as a bug. Snug as a bug in a rug. Anyway, so, you know, I say, oh, man, I'm going to go watch Catch Me If You Can. I won't. I got other shit on. I'm very busy. Well, that's not true. I'm so busy. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's wrap it up. Oh, it makes me want to be a con man. It does sound fun, doesn't it? You're too lazy to be a con man. It's all like adrenaline to... all the time. I'd like to escape from a prison, but that... never go to prison. Okay, mm, there we go. Tricky. Yeah, that's the, that's the hard part. I like it, though. I'm not sure how to get around that for you, like though. Like your moxie. Maybe, maybe some sort of... You would be somebody's bitch within seconds in prison. Um... You would be my bitch in prison. Yeah, I'm in a women's prison. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's been some sort of horrible (laughs) mix-up. And everyone's winking at me. They're like, this guy must be some sort of undercover guy. Let's be nice to him and give him lots of food. I like that you assume we would still think you're a guy. I would honestly prefer to go to a women's prison. (laughs) I reckon if you, I mean, because you have to shower together and stuff. I think when you see his little pecker, you will (laughs) realise. We'd figure it out. Maybe it's so small. What do you mean, maybe? Hey. You You haven't even... You haven't seen it? He can't see it. No, okay. I don't want to talk about Dave's pecker anymore. I'd like to go now. We're all done. (laughs) Done now. (laughs) A peck, peck, peck. Well, before I thank you, listener, we're going to thank Jess Perkins for a fantastic report and to Ryan, the man, the magic, the myth, the legend (laughs) that has inspired the topic. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. If you want to get in contact like Ryan did on email, the email is dogoonpod at gmail.com. Yep. But if you're a Twitter... Guy or gal, it's uh, at do go on pod for the handle. And even if you're not doing a t- uh, suggestion, you can always uh, tag us on Twitter and you, uh, if you do a shout out about the episode, if you enjoy this, share it with your followers. That way we get more people on board. And the more people we have, the more the merrier. And, uh, but if you're a Facebook person, we're also are getting a few messages and comments on our wall, which is facebook.com slash do go on pod. It's really nice when you guys check in with us. It is actually. Yeah, thanks for it's that. It's genuinely great. And when we read your reviews on the old iTunes mm. and that kind of stuff, that's also very nice as well. I was being sarcastic. 
one. Ruins my day. You don't like it when people check on you? No, no, I like it. Hey, I don't. I really, honestly don't know what I'm talking about. Cool. It's just nice to. Uh, it's just nice to have contact with uh, people. You're not wrong. Touch me. <laughs> oh, touch me. Oh. Don't make that noise when I that touch was, you. That was. Go again. Ah, yes, that's a very noise. nice. That's Great. a much better noise. Thank yep, you. that's fine. And that's the noise that Matt's, Matt makes every time our email goes off. Or every ah, time he sees Dave's ah, pecker. Ah, ah, I mean, ah. yeah, I, my magnifying glass broke, though. <laughs> Boom! And I'm gone. For some reason. <laughs> well, I had nothing to do with that break it. Uh, so, thank you very much for listening, everyone. We will take... A few days off, and that is what we do every week. Seven, in fact. <laughs> Until next Wednesday, where we will check in with you. Until then, thank you and a goodbye. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.